Hi, I'm Jeff Watts, and I wanted to welcome you to the Renaissance Podcast. We are so excited that you have chosen to listen and join with us as we strive to reach the heart of our city with the truth and love of Jesus. And we know that God is doing amazing things in our community, and I am blown away at how many people have told me that Renaissance has provided a place for them to rediscover Jesus. It's given them a caring church family to be a part of, and has helped to transform their lives. If you're one of the men and women who have been encouraged, helped, and strengthened because of what's happening here at Renaissance, then I'd like to ask you to become an investor in what God is doing in our city. And here's one way that you can do that. Go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them. Enjoy the podcast and thank you so much for being a part of this community. My name is Jack. Uh, I'm the youth director here, and uh, what I want to do is I kind of want to pick up where uh, Joe and uh, Jeff have been sharing kind of about their New Year's resolutions um, that, you know, Jeff shared about how he wants to, you know, pray more and read his Bible more, and, you know, Joe shared about how he wants to do a whole bunch of things um, in his life. He has all of these goals, but the problem is I don't really come up with any... So I don't really know exactly what to share with you for my resolutions, you know, because I can't be like, all right, I'm going to do this this year and I'm going to do that this year. I didn't really know uh, where I'm going to go this year. You know, usually I have a whole big list of things, but for the past few years, I've had big transitions in my life. So I just kind of went, this year, I'll figure it out. And now I have to have it figured it out for you guys. So uh, what I did, because I'm a nerd, is I uh, just Googled some statistics about New Year's resolutions. Can I share those with you? I think they're really interesting. So um, there is a group of people, um, and they're from Vitagene. They're like these, um, it's kind of like 23andMe. You do like a swab, and then they say kind of where you're from. Um, But they take all of their customers, and they do research every year about New Year's resolutions. And um, turns out that just about 50 people, 49.9% of people uh, want to do uh, one of three things. Uh, they want to lose weight, they want to get in shape, or they want to eat healthier. Um, essentially, they're all saying the same thing. I want to get healthier physically. I want to be better physically. But if you look at those people and you look at um, everybody kind of around that, what happens um, is only 11% of people follow through on their resolution throughout the year. So that means 89% of people don't follow through on their resolutions. And I'm like, welcome, I'm so used to this. Like, I'm so glad that it's not just me doing this. Um, And and it's really interesting, and I wanna make sure I get this right for you. Um, They looked at states in South Dakota, apparently has the best kind of resolution rate. They keep 37.5% of the resolutions. And then New Mexico only keeps 4.5. And if you're curious about our neighbors, um, what happens is, Uh, Iowa keeps 28.6, and then Indiana keeps 8.7. And now they didn't talk about Illinois, which is kind of sad. They only kind of gave like the rough outline of these statistics, but I think that's really interesting that it's not just like me who struggles to keep my resolutions. Like it it seems like it's 89% of everybody, like which is like really great for me. Um, But but here's the thing that I kind of want to think about and for us to kind of um, chew on today. If 50% of us want to get better on the outside. We want to lose weight. We want to, you know, get in shape. We want to eat better. How much more so do we want to get better on the inside? Um, I think from the simple fact that you're here, you're trying to communicate that you deeply care about growing in your faith. Gosh, you're here when the roads are terrible. Um, You want to be here because you want to grow in your faith. Um, you have questions that you've been longing to answer. Um, and, and here's what I mean by that. Every year when I'll talk to friends um, about their faith, they're like, maybe this is the year when God will finally speak to me about 
this, or maybe this is the year where God will finally give me a new job because I hate my older. Maybe this is the year, you know, for the single people that God will finally give me a significant other. We're looking for answers on all of these things. We want to grow in certain ways. And, and I would dare say it's that we want to grow in our faith. But um, I think even there, we're just kind of like the rest of the 89%. We struggle to keep it and we struggle to follow through with that. Um, and I think there's a number of reasons why, and I'd and love to share a few of those before we really um, dive in. But this whole uh, time today, what I wanna do is I wanna answer this one question. What is faith? Um, because when we think about faith, I think it's one of those things that's like, I say it's six inches off the ground, that the second you try to talk about it, you're like, ah. Uh, like you try to grab it and it's not there. Um, for example, if a friend came to you and they said, hey, I wanna grow in my faith, but what is it? You'd be like, well, it's believing in God. And they're like, what's believing in God? And you're like, well, it's having faith. And like, you know, it's, it's like that, that kind of thing. So all I wanna do is just answer that one simple question. What is faith? But I think it's a really profound one. Um, th there's a number of reasons, I think. And um, I think the most important one, and, and this is for a lot of uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers, is no one has showed us um, we said yes to following God at some point. We said yes to following Jesus, but what's happened is no one's showed us how to, how to grow. And, and what I mean by that is um, we try to read our Bible, but we don't get a lot out of it because no one showed us how to read it. And then we try to pray, but what happens is we feel like we're talking to these four walls and um, no one has showed us how to pray or no one showed us how to do this or that. And because we aren't equipped, we don't know how to do it, um, we often go, man, I want to, I just don't know how to. Um, I, I think another reason, and this is for a lot of the parents in the room, is you're just so busy. And I give grace with this one. I'm not gonna be like, so stop doing every, like, I get that you're busy. A lot of you work 50 hours every week um, and then you volunteer somewhere and then you have three or four kids that you play taxi for. And then, gosh, you have like needs of your own, but then you have a spouse and then you have to do this and you have to do that. And you really don't have time to just think about how can I grow in my faith? Um, how, how can I grow in ways that are helpful for me? If anything, you're just trying to get by with how busy you are. And again, I, I wanna give grace to that because I think we're all busy, but I think that's a really good indicator. Um, the biggest one for me is I'm just lazy. Like, I, like, I, like there's no way to spin it where like I have this going on. And that. Like, like I, I like go home after work and I'm like, well, I'm gonna sit and watch the news. And like, that sounds like I'm like trying to be proactive, but it's I'm gonna sit and do nothing for, like that's, that's mostly what I'm getting at. I'm, I'm just kind of lazy. And I think for um, and I'm sorry for younger people. A lot of us that are younger, we're just a little lazy when it comes to growing in these kinds of ways. Um, I, I would dare say a great word for us um, is apathetic at times. Because here's the thing, when I really care about something, I grow in it so well. Um, I'm gonna share a story later um, about rock climbing one time. When I wanted to learn about rock climbing, climbing outside, um, gosh, I would like practice tying these knots. I would do this, I, like all these other things. I would sleep up, like and dream about climbing. Um, but when it came to matters of faith, I wouldn't necessarily put it in that category. I wouldn't be so proactive about that. So maybe it's not that I'm quite lazy, um, but it, it might be uh, that I'm a little apathetic, if that makes any sense. And, and here's the very last thing, and I think this is many of us in the room. Um, we just don't have the greatest conception of what faith is. And, and here's what I mean by that. Um, we know a lot about it, um, but we don't have the full picture. Um, we, we know a lot about what faith looks like. Like if somebody did come to us and say, I wanna grow in my faith, what does that look like? We can give them a bunch of really great options and ideas, but if we had to take a big step back and just answer what faith is, 
Um, I don't know if we have the, the most robust view of it. So what I wanna do again is just try to give a, a small framework to answer, answer this. What really is faith? Um, what does it look like to grow in it? What does it look like to have it? Um, so if you have a, a Bible or um, if there's one in the seat back in front of you, we're gonna open up to Hebrews chapter 11. We're gonna be in verse one. Um, it's page uh, 1007 uh, for those of you um, opening up. And what I want to do is I want to give us some context running into this because it's going to make a lot of sense for us later, understanding the context. So I'm going to give that kind of as you open up there. Um, what's happening is there uh, is a book written to uh, the Hebrews. That's kind of uh, most of what we know, uh, mostly because we don't know who the author is. We have some really great ideas in trying to figure out who that person is, is a really nerdy rabbit hole. So if you're curious, you can come and speak to me later um, because I'll like lose my brains about it and never talk about anything again because I'm a little nerdy. So uh, we don't really know who wrote it, but we have a few ideas about who it's written to. And um, here's why we know that at the end of the book, what happens, it says those in Italy send their greetings. Um, and we know that it's written to people who are probably um, Jewish in ethnicity. Um, so it's probably written to Jewish Christians. Uh, we think in Rome, uh, I won't take that for sure, but that's kind of the popular opinion, written to Jewish Christians in Rome. And what's happening is they're uh, giving up on their faith for a few different reasons. At one point, it says that they're being persecuted for their faith, that people are being thrown in jail, they're being um, imprisoned. And, and what's happening is this author is writing to them saying, don't give up on faith. Um, you, you grew up Jewish and you understand this whole beautiful system to understand God. And, and we recognize that Jesus is greater and more superior in every way to the system you have. Not that he came to abolish it, but he came to beautifully fulfill it. Um, Jesus is greater than the prophets. So when you read the Old Testament and you're reading books like Isaiah or Jeremiah, or you're reading um, some smaller ones like you know maybe Jonah or Micah, he's greater than those people. He's greater than Moses. And gosh, there are like four books of the Bible attributed to just Moses, like just what he does and what he did. And he's greater than Moses. He's our sacrifice once and for all. Jesus is superior in every way. And then what happens is, uh, that's the first 10 chapters out of a 13 chapter book. And what happens is he gives a therefore, um, the author does. And they say this really profound thing in chapter 10. You don't have to flip to it, but if you have a, maybe a Bible in front of you, it's, uh, we're gonna start in verse 19, just read a few verses, because it's gonna make a lot of sense for you. It's, uh, therefore brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain that is through the flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God and you're like, I don't know what any of that means. Um, here's, here's the big takeaway that I wanna get to you. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. And then he talks about a few other things, but, but what I want, want you to notice is he says, therefore, and he says, Jesus has done this and has done this and has done this and has done this. And then he says, let us draw near in faith. Because of who Jesus is, um, the biggest thing for us is knowing how superior he is in everything. Don't give up on faith. Let's draw near in faith. And then he moves on for a few other ideas. But what happens is I think they kind of like jumped the gun and got excited and started writing other things. Because in chapter 11, what happens is they define faith and they talk about it for a while. Um, now, before really hopping in there, I want to pray for us that God would use me um, and that um, God would also speak to you. Um, I think that'd be really great. So let me pray for us. Um, Father, thank you so much uh, for this time. Um, I pray that um, we would learn from you, uh, that we would uh, uh, just hear you speak to us today um, through your word, um, and that we would understand faith, that we would really get it today. 
Um, thank you for um, who you are. In your very precious name, amen. Now in chapter 11, verse one, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And some of you, if you came with a, a, a hardback paper Bible, you're like, wait, 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 wait. Mine says something just a little bit different. Um, and I kind of want to talk about that because it's really interesting. The uh, Bible was written in uh, uh, three different languages, but kind of primarily two in Hebrew and then in Greek. Um, the Bible was in English. I mean, I think many of us know that, but what happens is we have no direct kind of words to translate. So sometimes there's a few that work really well um, and translators try to pick the best one. Um, so ours, um, the two words that are usually different is now faith is the assurance. That's a different word of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. The conviction is the word that's a little bit different. Um, and it's normally, um, the assurance is this idea of substance or reality. Um, and then conviction um, is um, evidence or proof. And, and when I read that, it gives me this thought that faith isn't something that's just like, one day I said yes, and I have no idea why. So that's it, I've just decided, and that's the faith I have. And, and I think some of us are kind of there sometimes just because you don't know at the, end of, at the end of the day. You could get some really great ideas, but we're like, yeah, yeah like that makes sense. But, but when I read that, it, it really shows me that there's, there's something far more tangible to faith. Um, that if there's evidence and there's proof, um, that means that we can look at the evidence and the proof and make a, a really great evaluation if it's true or not. Um, so I dare say, um, w what is faith? Faith is first studied. Um, and, and that seems kind of weird because um, it's, like I said, it's like six inches off the ground. We don't know how to hold it or touch it or feel it. We're not too sure how to define it, but, but faith is first studied um, and it's reliable. Um, let me use a story to give you an example. Um, I love to rock climb. And when I say rock climb, I don't mean like go to the gym and it's like, I, like, I feel bad when I say this way. It's like really cute because there's a rope up at the top and you climb like up and then you go down. Like I talk about like climbing outside, like, the, the highest I've done is 300 feet with a friend. Like that's high, like that, like if you fall, you die. Like that's, it's just, that, that's it. Um, so I wanna share a story about how I, I climbed this one route in Connecticut. It's at West Rock State Park and that doesn't matter to you, but it matters to me because this is the hardest route I've ever climbed. It's called Slightly Removed and it's a 5.11 B slash C. And for the nerds in the room, uh, there's, I'm sorry, I'm on like a nerd kick today, but for the nerds in the room, uh, there's a 5.0 scale uh, to 5.15. If you've ever hiked on a hill, which might be hard in Illinois, um, but like anything that's like loose gravel, you've done a 5.0, good job. You're all rock climbers. But, but here's the idea. So you get there and it's lead climbing. So what happens is the ropes all next to you and have all these clips on your harness. And what happens is you like climb up and you clip it as you go. Normally what happens is you have this big pole, so you clip the first one, so you don't really fall to your death, but you can still kind of fall to your death. But uh, what happens is uh, slightly removed is 85 feet tall. Uh, most ropes are about 250 feet, so you have more than enough rope. Uh, and what happens is you climb up and you come down. And uh, the biggest thing to know about lead climbing is because you clip as you go. Um, once you're above the clip, you're gonna fall the distance you're above the clip to the clip, below it, plus any slack. So if you're five feet above it, you're gonna fall five feet to the clip, five feet below, plus slack. So that's about 10 to 12 feet all in all. Now here's what you need to know about slightly removed at West Rock State Park. When you get to the eighth clip, uh, it, uh, it get, you call it blank and there's no real holds for it. It's 10 feet between clips. 10 feet to the clip, to it, 10 feet below, plus slack. You can fall 25 feet. 
And now I wanna clarify something because my wife is going to be here next gathering and my mother will listen to this podcast. I was wearing a helmet. So that's, that's what you need to know. So w- what happens though is once you get to the seventh clip, there's this little box, like the box, a little rock platform that you can stand on and lean forward and kind of take a break. And then what happens is you, so you've already clipped and there's this thing that's called the T-crack. So it's a T like this and you wanna grab it and you hit with your thumb a little bit higher because you wanna get your thumb lower. Um, on it because it's easier to hit. And you go over to a finger crack after you move your feet. And a finger crack, um, creatively enough, is a crack that's as wide as your finger. So you you go over, and I'm gonna say you hit it a lot because that's like a weird climbing jargon. I apologize. So you hit it and you get your feet over and then you kind of swim over and you get your thing here. And then you just press in your feet as hard as you can and you just swim up it like that and you get your feet up. Now, once you get about 10 feet above the seventh clip to the eight clip, what happens is you hit that finger crack and uh, with your feet, um, there's no real like spot to put them. So you call it uh, smearing and you just like press your foot into the wall as hard as you can on a spot that just kind of like dips a little bit, if that makes any sense. So it's kind of like, I don't really know how to describe it if you've never seen it, but essentially it works. It doesn't really work, if that makes any sense. So, so you shove your foot in there and then you go over to this thing called a sloper. And you, it's called a sloper because it's sloped and you can't get your thumb on it. Um, so you just kind of like palm it and keep your elbow in. Cause if you get it high, you just kind of like, like pop off like that. So you have your foot in a thing. And then what happens is to get your right foot over, um, there's, I want you to imagine like the end of a pen, like just the end on it, like little things sticking out of the rock. So you put your big toe on that and you press in as hard as you can, as hard as, and so then you, you hit it there and then you grab the rope and you pull it up to the clip. So now, 10 feet above, 10 feet below, plus slack. So what happens is I go and then, um, so I'm pulling it and then because there's nothing on my foot here, it like pops off. And you do this thing called barn dooring where you like swing like this. So you hit it and you're like, no, like cause there's nothing you can do. So like, I, so my friend is like 70 feet below me and I'm like, I'm falling. And like, like I do it and it was, it was petrifying because you fall. 25 feet, like I don't know if you've ever fallen 25 feet, but it's far, it is very far. But like, he, here, here's the idea though. A lot of you, I saw by your faces are going, why would you ever do that? <laughs> A lot of you by your faces are like, you're, you're just dumb, like that's insane. But, but he, here's the point I wanna make. Although it was scary, I had full trust in what I was doing. Not because it was blind, not because I, I went to my friend and I'm like, yo, I wanna climb that. And he's like, great, you know, and he lets me do it. I studied how to do this deeply. Um, my friend is an AMG guide, uh, which means that he can take people who don't know how to rock climb, rock climbing wherever they wanna go. He can do everything for them. He's a, a guide and he trained me how to do a lot of these things. I know how to tie a perfect figure eight knot. Um, I know how to climb up and make anchors with a, like, and I can nerd out about it, but I, I know how to do all of it at this point. Um, my faith was studied. I knew that even though I was gonna fall, he, uh, he was gonna catch me in a way that I wasn't gonna get hurt. Um, I knew that the rope was gonna catch me. I knew my knot wasn't gonna break. Um, I knew that uh, the worst that could happen is I fall and it's a little farther than I'd like. Um, I still get a little jittery when I think about it because it was far. Um, gosh, it was a really big fall, but it wasn't blind, it was studied. Um, so, so faith is not necessarily um, just this blind, yes, this is a thing and I'm gonna do it. It's, it's something that's deeply thought through and learned about. Um, I, I didn't learn how to tie a figure eight knot by accident. Um, I uh, went to somebody who, who knew how to do it and he taught me. Um, so, so faith is studied. 
um, and it's learned. So if I can be very practical for um, a moment or two, if you're not learning about God or about Jesus or how to follow him better in your faith, if you're not learning about the truth and love of Jesus, I can guarantee you will not grow in your faith this year. Um, and that seems like a harsh reality, um, but, but I, think, I think this is the primary thing that faith is. And there's a few other things, but if you're not growing uh, intellectually in your faith, you're gonna struggle. Um, and, and here are a bunch of really easy, simple ways to grow in your faith. You're already doing one and it's coming here. Um, every week, someone's gonna stand up and uh, read uh, from the Bible and hopefully we're gonna teach something to you. And I say hopefully because um, that's, that's the job on Joe, Jeff and I. You know, that's, that's the job that we have is, is to teach you uh, about how to follow God and how to love him better and how to understand the Bible. But faith isn't just, you know, s- Sunday and then another Sunday. It's, it's through the whole week. So he- here's what, a few things I'd recommend. Like, very quickly, um, you can uh, buy a book and read it. Um, some of you aren't readers and you're like, oh my gosh, why would I ever read? You know, there are some great podcasts. Um, there are some really uh, wonderful things on the radio. Um, the biggest thing is that you're just learning to, to think more critically um, a- about who God is. Because um, if you um, aren't, you, you may not grow well. I think that's kind of what I'm getting at. Um, th- there's another kind of facet of it too, and um, we're gonna read a little bit in here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is a very long chapter, um, so we're just going to a few specific places in it. So um, if you can flip to uh, verse eight, I wanna read that paragraph, then we're gonna read two other ones. I'm gonna clarify after each paragraph, and then I'm gonna kind of take all of those things that we read in a whole, if that makes any sense. So if you'll read with me starting in verse uh, eight, it says, by faith, Abraham obeyed, when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went uh, to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs uh, with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And I wanna point out something in this next uh, sentence. By faith, Sarah, and this is Abraham's wife, uh, we talked uh, about this uh, earlier last January. Uh, So Abraham gets this promise that God is going to bless all the nations through you, this really beautiful thing. This is in Genesis chapter 12. But the problem is he doesn't have any kids, um, and they're pretty old at this point. So Sarah has a child when she's uh, 80. And uh, I don't know about you, but 80-year-olds don't normally have babies. And if they are, tell me, because that's cool. Like, I'm like pretty excited about that. Uh, But what happens is it says in verse 11, uh, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, um, since she considered, that's the word we're gonna look at, him faithful who had promised, the idea of considering or being considered. Let's jump down to uh, verse 17. We're gonna read that paragraph. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, um, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. So what happens is Sarah has this child, um, and it's beautiful and wonderful. His name is Isaac, and then God goes, um, I want you to sacrifice him. And now, there's a lot in this story that uh, makes us have a lot of questions that we don't have time to go into, but know that God um, fulfilled his promise. You're gonna have this child, and then he says, now I want you to sacrifice this child. This is Genesis chapter 22. Really interesting, don't have time. We can talk about it later. But what happens um, is it says, in verse 18, of whom it was said, through Isaac, your offspring uh, shall be named. Uh, he, being Abraham, considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Um, Abraham had faith for some reason, even though God was saying, sacrifice your son, your only son on this 
altar on this mountain, he knew that God would still provide a way. Um, and, and the author of Hebrews says it's that he knew um, that God would raise um, his son from the dead. Um, and he considered that God was faithful. And, and here's the last thing we're gonna start reading in uh, verse 23. By uh, faith, uh, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. Uh, by faith, when Moses was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures in sin. This is a wonderful story. Again, I'm just like throwing like chapter number at you because we really just don't have time for it. But this is gonna be an Exodus uh, one through kind of 10, 11. All of Exodus um, in the next few books are the story of Moses. But what happens is um, the Israelites have too many children. So uh, Pharaoh, uh, the king of Egypt says, let's start killing them so they can't um, overthrow us or raise up an army. And what happens is uh, Moses' parents uh, essentially have faith uh, that God would keep him alive and they end up floating him down this, uh, the Nile River in a basket. And he ends up being um, at Pharaoh's daughter's um, kind of house. I say it's a house, her palace probably. Um, and she takes him in as her son. But one day Moses goes, no, 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 no. I'm actually an Israelite. I'm a Hebrew. Um, I'm not part of your household. I'm very broad brushstrokes, I'm sorry. Um, but what happens is in verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ of greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Again, that word considered. A great tip for when you're studying the Bible, if anything ever repeats itself, it's kind of underlining itself. Um, so in this chapter, uh, two things off the bat, faith, because um, that's gonna show up a lot. But then if it says considered three times, just underline it. Some people don't like uh, marking up Bibles. Um, and, and I get that, I didn't growing up, but now I, I do a lot. Just underline it, because that's important. Um, and this idea of, of considering that, that seems a whole lot more, and when I say intellectual, it, it's this, faith is thought through. Um, it, it tries to connect things. Um, and, and now to be honest, um, if you look at the Greek here, the uh, two words are a little bit different, but they're getting at the same idea. Um, what's happening is faith is uh, thought through. So first faith is studied, um, and then uh, faith is thought through. How do these worlds connect? So as you're learning about who God is, about who Jesus is, about all these different things, you're gonna begin to try to connect the dots and connect it to your daily life. So what I do every morning is I wake up and I go in the shower because for some reason I'm more creative in the shower. Is anybody like that? Like you have the greatest thoughts in the shower? Just me? Okay, that's fine. We'll keep going. Um, but what happens is I, I'm in the shower and I tell God every day, you can, you can have my day. I give my life to you today. Um, somebody uh, uh, asked this guy, he was being interviewed and this is where I get it from. They said, hey, when, when did you give your life to Jesus? And they were like, this morning. And they're like, no, you're an author who wrote books years ago you clearly didn't. And he said, when did you give your life to Jesus? And he's like, this morning. Because um, the point for him is it's not something I did years and years and years ago. It's something I do today and every day. Faith is thought through. Um, for me, this looks like a bunch of different things, but um, the, the biggest one is every Wednesday, um, I get together with this retired pastor um, at this coffee shop in town. And all we do is just talk about what I'm learning and he's learning um, and how we can try to like internalize it and process it and do a little bit better. Um, sometimes I'll call a friend and I'll be like, man, I'm just like struggling in this way. Like, can you help me think about this and think it through? Um, I guess what I'm trying to like circle around is this faith. We actively think about it, not just here, not just at a prayer meeting on a Tuesday or Wednesday, not just, you know, when WBGL is on the radio, we actively try to think about God um, often. 
because what will happen is as we're learning about God, uh, we'll see that it connects to a whole bunch of stuff. Um, so, you know, I'm in the uh, book of Matthew right now. This is uh, as an example, um, and it talks about loving your enemies. Um, instead of just reading it and being like cool and like shutting it and like going on my day, I go, who, who are the people that I struggle to love? Um, and, and then what will happen is I'll think about them and then I'll run into them. And then I'll be like, dang, like, I, like I, I, I have to do this now. And I do it gladly, that's the idea. But, but does that make sense? Faith is actively thought through. And, and, and here's kind of the last thing. Um, if you get a chance to read this whole chapter, it's all these beautiful stories of people having faith in God that he's promised something. And that even though they don't see it, even though they don't understand it, because God has proven himself reliable, they're gonna act on it well. Um, it, it's this idea that because God is reliable, I can then trust him in things that I'm unsure about. But it's not just an intellectual thing. The past two points I've made is faith is studied and it's thought through. That's all in your brain. Um, you know, that's all like an intellectual thing that you can agree with and think about and kind of sit in like a white ivory tower and have these great thoughts. Faith is put into action as well. Um, if you only go, God is real for all these reasons, but you don't act upon it, um, I think the author here would say, um, you're missing the whole point. Um, and we don't have time to read all of these beautiful stories, but faith is always acted on. Um, and I think that's something that um, a lot of us at times struggle with, that we have these grand ideas about who God is in all these ways, and we have these grand ideas about how we'll treat people, or you know, we'll say, I'm gonna do this, or I'm gonna do all these different things. What I would say is um, faith is acted upon. Um, and I don't know what that looks like for you. This is one of the things where I, I can't get super practical here because I don't wanna be like, so do this, because you, you may do it really well. Um, there might be another thing that you don't do well, um, but faith is first acted upon. Um, um, there's a, a level, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. This is in, uh, in the book of John, and, and he says, if you love me, you obey my commandments. And Jesus equates loving him and having a relationship with him to obeying him. And that seems kind of weird because normally when we talk about faith, it's like agree that God is real and like worship a bit. And like that's, that's kind of all we do. But, but Jesus says, if you love me, if you want to have a relationship with me, you obey my commands. And that's honestly hard. Um, I, I don't want to give like a pep talk that this is easy and you know, we all run off and then realize that it's difficult. Uh, again, when we try to change our lives, um, only about 11% of us, if that statistic is true, you know, gosh, I have no idea. Um, but, but if that's true, only 11% of us will really get that well. Um, and I get that it's hard. Um, I do. Um, if the book of Hebrews was truly written to uh, Jewish Christians in Rome, here's what's happening. Here's why I think they're giving up on their faith. Um, we know that this book was written uh, before uh, 70 AD for a few different reasons. But what happens is right before then, there's this guy named Emperor Nero, and uh, there's this great, terrible fire in Rome. Um, just about three quarters of Rome, probably 80, 85% is burned to the ground, and somehow the Christians are blamed for it. Um, and what happens is it's easier to be Jewish in that time than it is to be Christian, because I don't, I don't know how it happened, but the Jews got a chance to blame the Christians. Um, so you weren't persecuted if you were Jewish, but you were persecuted if you're a Christian, and what happens, this historian writes, is they would knock on your door, the Roman guards, and they would say, do you believe in Jesus? Are you uh, a follower of the way of Christ? And if you said yes, they would take you, and they'd put you on a spike, and they'd light you on fire to light the streets of Rome. 
And then they would take uh, carcasses of wild beasts and they throw them on you um, and they'd let wild beasts pull you apart. And I don't know about you, but I'd be going, is this worth it? Like, yeah, Jesus is great and he's wonderful and he's superior in all these ways, but like, I'm not gonna die for my faith, am I? And the author here is saying, it is worth it. The author is trying to say when it is difficult, when faith is hard, when faith seems like it's not going anywhere, when God hasn't spoken to you, when you're looking for answers, when you're unsure if God is who he says he is, he is reliable because you know it and he is worth it. He is so worth it. I don't know of any other God that would choose to come here in the form of us and die for us so that we can have a relationship with him. He's saying, don't go back on your faith. God wants to know you. He loves you. He cares for you. Do not go back on your faith. It is worth it to keep going. It is worth it to follow through. So for us, if I have to read a book, then I'll gladly read a book. If I have to actively think about my faith, I will gladly think about my faith. If I have to put it in action, I will gladly put it in action because Jesus, he is so very worth it. I'm gonna invite the band to come back up um, and lead us in a few more songs of worship. And I, I say this every time I'm up here. Worship is just telling God how great he is and how cool we think he is. That's probably playing it a little low. God is amazing and wonderful. He loves us so very much. It is just an opportunity to respond to that. So as you think about Um, what I said about faith. If you want to really grow in it, if you don't want to be the 89%, if you want to have this year be a time where you get a good answer um, to the questions you have, the faith that you have, um, this is a great time to talk to God about that. Um, Sometimes in uh, worship, I don't even stand and sing. I just pray. Um, I invite you to stand and tell God how awesome he is. But if you feel like you need prayer to wrestle through this, like, man, I I do want to grow my faith, but I I I don't know how to. There are people here that would love to pray for you. Um, There are people here that would love to um, just kind of walk with you through that. Um, But he is so worth it. Um, Gosh, I I know that deeply in my faith. And I hope it's the same for you. Um, So let me pray for us. The band will um, come back up and we'll take it from there. Uh, Father, thank you um, for this time. Um, We love you so very much. Um, I hope that you have us understand what faith is. Um, that it is truly important, that it truly matters, and uh, we can grow in it. Um, And gosh, it's worth it. We think you're beautiful and wonderful and amazing. Help us to say yes to you in this time. Help us to just say that um, we love you so dearly. Um, God, for the people that have been longing to get um, answers, I pray that you speak to them. For the people that have been uh, longing to grow or have change, I pray that you speak to them. Um, We love you dearly your very precious name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Together we can reach the heart of Decatur. And if you'd like to be a part of that, go to rendicatororg backslash give and make a commitment to be a part of showing the people of the city of Decatur the truth of Jesus and how much he loves them.